0: oh thank you all for tuning in to the Fortune and first episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Eros, Daryl, D Lane, as always. Wherever you are, however you be listening, I want to thank you for making me in the show part of your day. Whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting number platform you may be listening to me via, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, per usual. Special shout out to everybody who's tuning in via Elevation Sports Radio in Denver. Gonna have a great pod for all you guys. Gonna have. Zach Williford, a.k.a. Mr. Zach, on the show to talk NBA. We're going to talk about Durant, uh, him coming back, how he's been playing, the LeBron James explosion, 50-plus points on Saturday. Uh, Tatum on Sunday today uh, had a fantastic game. Also, we're going to talk about Duke, Coach K, uh, retirement, his last game against the North Carolina Tar Heels that was spoiled. So a lot to talk about. Now, before we get into that, and again, my shameless plug, as always, first-time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Also, check on the description below, specifically for you use Spotify. Uh, I have everything timestamped. Just click on the timestamp, and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. For example, I'm going to be talking about uh, NFL draft scouting with quarterbacks, For the first part of the podcast, then we're getting into Bits and pieces of the Mr. Zach Interview. So, depending on which part you want to listen to, click on that and then we'll send you to that part of the podcast, right? Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Night Train underscore Lane. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. Post two five-minute clips of this podcast right here. So, my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If... You don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And now it's time for my monologues that Kenny Sim loves so much. And speaking of Kenny Sim, the scouting expert for 247 Sports who loves NFL draft scouting, he's been really following this combine stuff that's been going on. We're going to have Kenny on next week sometime to talk about all the news that happened with the combine, all the 40-yard dashes, all the interviews, QB talk. And I've been doing my own scouting. I'm starting to do my own big board and uh, compiling all of that I this weekend last few weeks actually i got a chance to really dive into the qb class uh for the 2022 nfl draft and there's been a lot of talk about it so just quickly i'm going to give my synopsis my thoughts on this and it's going to be in writing too uh when i get it posted before i'm going to get it posted on just seeing where but i'll let you guys know when i figure that out but uh The little rough draft edition, all my notes. Number one, Matt Corral, quarterback out of Ole Miss. Number two, Carson Strong out of Nevada. Number three, Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Number four, Malik Willis out of Liberty. Number five, Sam Howell out of North Carolina. Number six, Bailey Zapp out of Western Kentucky. Number seven, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Number eight, Caleb Elby out of Western Michigan. Number nine, Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. Number 10, Jack Cone out of Notre Dame. And number 11, D'Erik King out of Miami. The power players to know specifically for this draft, I think, are the top five. Corral, Strong, Pickett, Willis, and Hal. Uh, people like Desmond Ritter. I'll tell you guys right now, I'm not a major fan. Uh, I know he ran sub 4-5 at the Combine this past weekend. Uh, big arm, athletic a lot of his own protections at Cincinnati, but he was one read a lot of the time. The passing wasn't very high level. Uh, I also thought Cincinnati had a very good offense and he didn't uh, operate it to its fullest potential. I thought he left a lot to be desired there as a quarterback and I think he's very raw there. So I just want to give those thoughts on Desmond Redder, because I know there are people who love him. I don't. Number one for me is Matt Corral. Matt Corral was number one for me by a wide margin uh first of all he has an explosively powerful arm uh he processes things he goes through his reads very quickly from one to two to three to four and i even love that he's always looking for deep shots down the field and it's like one two three not open okay now my fourth read the back out of the backfield i'm gonna go there uh, he can move very well within the pocket. <clears throat> does a good job when he moves in the pocket of keeping his eyes downfield so he can make throws down the field. His ball placement is very good. He allows his receivers to get yards for the catch. Very quick release. Uh, there's a lot to look about this kid. Also, military background. I think he has like four or five family members in his immediate family that are Navy SEALs. So, you know, he's tough. I uh, don't want to make too much into that, but he understands leadership probably. So those are all things that check out in my box. Uh, the one thing that I would be concerned about is he's six foot 200 pounds and when you look at that for an NFL quarterback NFL player in general six foot 200 pounds doesn't sound uh right that's not what you want you definitely want him to get a little bit bigger and stronger and he got hurt playing his last game in college actually he had a major injury ACL. So you have to make sure the medicals there check out as well. But from the film I saw, he's the best QB in this class right now by far. I think he's the best one who's ready to go right now. Uh, There is the size concern. I understand how that can make him go down in some people's boards, but that's Matt Corral for me. And Matt Corral, by the way, pretty clear number one for me. I think he's a top 15 to 20 pick in the draft. That's probably where he'll fall on my board. I haven't obviously piled up a massive board yet of where I rank all players by position because I've only just gotten done with the quarterbacks but 50 to 20 range sounds about right uh mid to late first round for Matt Corral I would not take any of these QPs in the top 10 or certainly you know not number one or top five or anything like that next up Carson Strong I thought he was the most underrated guy uh when I look at a lot of draft boards and people talk about the draft they have Carson Strong as their 6th, QB. I don't understand that. Carson Strong, he's a bit of a fossil. He's of that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady mold, 6'4", 250 pounds, big. He's a pocket quarterback. Uh, not one of these guys who's athletic and runs around like some of the other guys I'm going to mention. Uh, He's really of that old Peyton Manning Tom Brady frame. And I I think it might scare some people away because some people are like, we want the athletic quarterback. We want Josh Allen. We want Patrick Mahomes. We want Lamar Jackson. We want Justin Herbert. These athletic phenomenons that we see. But uh, Carson Strong, he's athletic enough. Maybe he's slightly below average, but he's athletic enough. And I'll tell you, his arm from within the pocket at least, it's as strong as anybody in this draft class. He can really spin the football. He makes a lot of good throws down the field. Also, he stands in the pocket. He hangs in the pocket. He works the pocket fairly well. And he'll deliver and he'll, he'll take some shots as he's making throws downfield. Uh, so you love his guts. He's a guy that probably has looked at a lot more fonder if we're doing this draft 15 years ago than and when we're doing this in the year 2022 with obviously Tom Brady was kind of the last of these pure pocket QBs, that's the mold Carson Strong is in, and number three, Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh, uh, a lot of interesting stuff about Kenny Pickett, he bursted on the scene this year, kind of like how a Joe Burrow and a Mac Jones did, uh, the year and the year after that, before him, right, uh. Something that I will say in terms of comparing him to Mac Jones and Joe Burrow as these quarterbacks that make their meteoric rise for their first year, his arm is not as strong as those guys. The arm talent is pretty mediocre when you watch it. A lot of people made a lot of a big deal about this at the Combine. Pickett's hand size measured at like 8.5, which would be the smallest for any quarterback ever or something crazy like that. Pickett's arm is average to below average. That's the range it's in. It looks a lot of the times when he's throwing it downfield that he's mustering all of effort to do it. With that being said... He has great accuracy and great ball placement. Wide receivers, they never have to really work to adjust to go to these different angles to catch the ball. And there's other times where there's other quarterbacks, all these wideouts, they're having to go to these jump super high, make all these crazy circus catches to catch the ball. You don't have to do that right in the hands. Boom, boom, boom. Every single time he's a master in the short passing game. He's also a pretty good athlete. Very good athlete, actually, for the position. Uh, can do boots, can scramble, draws, can do all of that stuff. Uh, the arm talent just isn't special, so that's kind of what you worry about. He goes through his reads fairly well. I don't think he processes it as good as Matt Corral. He's probably the second best quarterback in this class at that from what I've seen. Uh, but Pickett should be the best, uh, one of the best QBs ready to go right away. Week one of the NFL season, I don't know what his ceiling is. The ceiling isn't that high, uh, but can probably be a serviceable guy at best. Number four, Malik Willis at a Liberty. This guy was very hard uh, to to figure out where I want to put him because, and as the draft gets closer, maybe I'll change my mind. I'll put Malik Willis at number two, but Malik Willis, and I'll just put it this way, it, just like I was talking about Carson Strong, and it's like 15 years ago, Carson Strong might be the number one QB on a lot of people's boards. 15 years ago, Malik Willis might be undraftable, and people are like, let's put him at running back. And now, given the fact that, he is a, uh, right, we're in the year 2022 with all these athletic quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, uh, that now we're looking at a guy like Malik Willis. And we're like He can be a franchise quarterback, and there's a lot of heat on him, a lot of noise around him uh, potentially going in the first round. He's at number four, not as high as other people. I'm a little lower on him, but first, let me put it to you this way. If it works with Malik Willis, he will be the best QB in this class, and I know I gave a lot of love to Matt Corral. He'll be better than Matt Corral. Malik Willis is bigger, faster, and stronger than Matt Corral. Uh, he has the most powerful arm in this draft class from inside and outside the pocket. Uh, the running is very special. He can run it in between the tackles. He can get to the edge of a defense. Uh, he can also scramble. The cross body throws he makes on the run, it reminds me of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. So think of this guy just to give you a picture of a player. Imagine a cross between Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, with maybe some Lamar Jackson influence and some Jalen Hurts ability. That those are the four QBs, the four guys I think of at the QB position when I think of Malik Willis. So you might say, oh my God, Daryl, with all that, how is he your fourth QB in this draft? And also, if you really peep this, if I said Matt Corral is my number one by far, and I said Matt Corral is 15 to 20 on my board of overall players, if Malik Willis is my fourth QB, That means he's probably a second-round pick. Folks, you're right. Right now, I would probably have Malik Willis somewhere in the second round. So how is he this low? There's a lot of good, and his good is better than anybody's. But his bad is bad. Constantly misses open wide receivers. Constantly. And it's just like, I want to fall in love with you, but you you keep doing all these crazy things. Uh, A lot of his offense was one read. Never saw him really go much more than his first progression. Sometimes he would go to his second read. He left the pocket early a lot of the times when there was no reason to leave the pocket. He did not do a good job of moving within the pocket and making throws and working the pocket that way. Uh, I also do wonder, uh, given the limitations with his passing, his limitations passing, how good can he be, right? Jalen Hurts has limitations passing. I think that's why there's a ceiling on how good Jalen Hurts can be if. It turns out the passing's fine. He can get with somebody who can develop him. Josh Allen was developed. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was developed. We see what they are right now, right? So that's going to be the interesting story on Willis. Number five, Sam Howell out of North Carolina was the hardest QB to evaluate. He played an awful offense this year with North Carolina. One read offense, bad schematics. Uh, The offense wasn't overly complicated or creative. Uh, They did him no favors, the coaching staff there. The wide receivers couldn't get open. The offensive line couldn't block. But Sam Howe, backyard football player, tough as nails, will stand in the pocket, make throws, super confident. He has that swagger. He has kind of that it factor. If we did this last year, he would have been the number one QB on a lot of boards, probably my board as well. He was really good as a true sophomore. His true junior year was way worse. He lost a lot of players uh, to the NFL draft, and I think the, and the offense just regressed, quite frankly. Uh, So that hurt him. But Sam Howell, he's a guy that has the talent. Uh, He has the power in his arm. He has the athletic ability. I just think he needs to be refined and groomed at some place where you know they can really work on his ability as a QB and he's going to have to be with a good offensive coordinator good QB coach good coach head coach good organization and the same goes with Malik Willis as well these are guys that I think are going to have to go in the right place to be nurtured and developed like how Josh Allen he goes to Buffalo Sean McDermott Brian Dayball guys that can really work with them. you also look at a Patrick Mahomes he goes to Kansas City Andy Reid a guy that can work with him and develop him Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray the spread offense right you have to go with a guy who's going to be able to maximize your abilities as a player, and I think that's where he's going to have to go. Uh, Bailey Zapp was number six. Uh, just to give you guys, he broke like every record at Western Kentucky passing the football this year. They run it like spread, uh, four out five, out, five out, sometimes two, and they just throw it around a lot. Really exciting to watch. A lot of open wide receivers, uh, early QB friendly offense. They can be a backup QB in the league. Desmond Ritter, I'm, like I told you guys, not high on him. Caleb Elby, strong, thick, stands in the pocket, decent athlete. Brock Purdy, not a great athlete, but smart, uh, efficient, decent accuracy, just nothing elite stands out. Jack Cohn, guy springtime last year, probably a guy that's going to be a backup uh darren king really good athlete he's a guy that you should be on the lookout for potentially switching positions maybe like how a logan thomas did he was a quarterback at virginia tech now he's a tight end we've seen other players do that i think that's probably going to be De'Aaron king's role so that's my thoughts on this qb class this qb class is not as talented as the one that came out last year with trevor lawrence Zach wilson justin fields uh mac jones trey lance kellen mond kyle trask this class is nowhere near as talented but uh some interesting players and some talented players nonetheless. Matt Corral is not, I don't see Matt Corral number one again on a lot of people's boards. Matt Corral is by far my number one. I have no hesitation as I relook at this draft process again and again. Maybe I'll move Malik Willis up to two because the thing I always struggle with this is, how much do I move somebody up based off how good they can be maximum-wise and how good they are right now, right? That's always, you know, the do or the don't, the push and pull, the right, the wrong here, right? And maybe I'll change my mind now I'm evaluating this and I'll put Malik Willis too. And I have no issue if you put Malik Willis too because the stuff he does is really special. I just, for me, Carson Strong has the physical talent, by the way, uh, and Kenny Pickett, while he doesn't? I think both of them are going to be ready to go week one better than Malik Willis. I just think they will be. And Malik Willis could bust. Like, there's a lot of things about his throwing that isn't good. It's not, And as amazing as he can make amazing plays. That's the difference between being good at the highlights and actually being good at football, right? Johnny Menzel was amazing at the highlights. He was awful at everything else. Not comparing Malik Willis to Johnny Menzel as a person, but... You catch my drift there. So, cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Zach Williford, a.k.a. Mr. Zach, on to talk some basketball, college basketball, Coach K retiring, the Duke, UNC, all of that. Also, going to get into some NBA as well. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. The Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Zach Williford, a.k.a. Mr. Zach. How you doing?
1: Okay, okay. I'm doing pretty good today. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So first, what I want to talk to you about, and I know you got a chance to catch uh, a little bit of the later stages of the game, but the UNC-Duke game, coach Mike Krzyzewski's last game ever at Cameron Indoor Stadium. What did you think?
1: Lost, you know. uh, It was a lot of fanfare and 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 a lot a big rivalry, a lot of fanfare, a lot of publicity. You know, um, his his boy his boys didn't get the job done, but you know it was a it was a big. It was a lot of things probably went into that that game and a few distractions and 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 a lot of pressure. It was a lot of lot of big time. lot big time people at that game. Carolina Carolina played free and loose, probably, and dude messed up. Um I'm a I'm a I'm a longtime fan of the of, of the rivalry, but um it's it's this the time has come man, to um move on. Coach K, Coach High uh Guys have been coaching thirty or forty years and at the same school. You know, it's time to move on. Recruiting is different. Players' attitudes is different. It's probably kind of stressful right now to coach.
0: Do you think the transfer portal and how college athletics has changed is the reason Coach K wanted to leave, or do you think it was just you know age related? It's time for well, me to. Well,
1: Coach K, Coach K, his his hair might his hair his hair might be black, but. Coach K is in his seventies, I think. <laughs> he still got black hair. Joe,
0: are we sure that's not hair dye?
1: Yeah, of course it is.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course it
0: is. Well, he has you know? some money to afford it.
1: Oh uh, yeah, well you know he's pretty... He, I mean, you know, he, you might you he might look like that, but he is not a young man. Uh, stress a stressful position. Um. Recruiting is different, you know. He came from a, he came from a philosophy of coaching and a tradition of coaching where Duke was one of the last schools to have guys that do one and done or early entry draft. Most guys at Duke stayed all four years. Uh, they call it the hardship draft, but most guys that went to Duke were in hardship status. Uh, Grand Hill State four, Late of State Four, and the list goes on. Um, I think Corey McGetty and William Avery probably were one of the first two people that believed Duke early, you know? And um Coach K had to adjust to the one and done philosophy of college basketball over the last ten, twelve years, maybe. And um as you notice they didn't win as many championships over the and lately as they did back in the day when they got to build a foundation and players stayed at colleges three and four years and they got to build up the chemistry, the one and done thing, it wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't in favor of, of Duke.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting too because when you look at it, right, like if, you don't, if you don't want one-and-dones and you want guys who are going to stay three or four years, now those guys aren't as talented. I mean, back in the day, if you wanted a guy to stay three or four years, you'd get what a guy who's going to be one of the better guys in the country. Now all the guys who are the better guys in the country, they're all thinking one-and-done. So like you have to almost run it like a Butler, a Loyola, Chicago, like a mid-major. And obviously, you don't want to sacrifice the recruiting to that extent, so it's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. So he
1: had he had he had to change his change his way of moving and change his way of thinking to compete because like I said, one and done really wasn't his style. That's that was more of a Kentucky style. The one and done uh, players coming, you know, one year and they're, and they're out. Um, and and it became and it and it became a consistent Kentucky thing. Duke wasn't part of that. Carolina, Carolina really wasn't a part of that. That was um, other colleges did that. Las uh, Las Vegas, uh, Louisville, uh, Kansas. Guys come for one year and leave, but. Uh, overall, uh, that wasn't Duke style. Like I said, Corey McGetty and I think was one of the first guys who left early. I don't know about Hilton Brand, but if you go back over over the years of Duke basketball, you know, Dunleavy and all those guys, they start, they, 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 they stayed.
0: Why do you think Coach K was so hesitant to adopt the one and dumb philosophy? Do you think he was just simple as that? He wanted to build chemistry.
1: He's more of a teacher. He's a teacher, and 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 a course it takes more than one year. You know, to get his players equipped and pro ready. You know, it takes more than a year, and um, it show it shows in their production once they get to the league. That a lot of a lot of guys struggle, a lot of one and done struggle over the years. You know and uh the only reason for the one and done because they eliminated the high school entry early entry so after 2003 2004 they eliminated the high school entry um so they had to go with college so the one and done became more of a thing um some players some schools is fortunate enough to get the one and done guy but you know you can bring out a. You can down, you can bring down a list and read over the years of the success of high school players that came in, and it wasn't very big. You know, a lot of high school players faded out. You know, a few became a few became uh, NBA legends, but overall, the high school thing really wasn't a success. <laughs> you got Kevin Garnett and and uh, uh, Kobe Bryant name a few of of high school players come straight in you know and uh lebron no they were they were they were the early ones you know um tracy mcgrady uh and and, you know lebron lebron was was came later uh kobe bryant uh that era um And now, now they have, now, now, now they. I mean, I mean, it's not a, it's not maybe a topic that we started. We started this thing on, but you know, the the, the one and done, the one and done thing in the high school playing straight to the pros. You know, it had, it, it had a kind of little um, it was like all the guys that were doing it were like. Guys, inner city black guys from the hood, or make every hood is different, but more overall inner city guys, you know, and that that was their way out. You know, college is like a pit. I mean, it's it's it, it seems like it seemed like uh, it seemed, uh kind of kind of not equal, not fair to take the take away a right of a high school guy to come to the NBA. To, um earn a living for him and, and his family when he can and at the same time at age 18 he can sign up for the Marines or the army or whatever military branch and and um go to war to protect our country he said at at age 18 he should be allowed to play ball or whatever that's a it's an NBA thing it's not a sports thing it's an NBA thing that, they're, they're the they're Um, baseball and football basketball and football the only basketball and baseball are the only ones who took guys out of high school football never did so um, that's, that's a that's a that's a that's a topic of discussion about about the whole rule of high school early entry and everything but overall most guys most guys weren't successful coming straight out of high school they didn't last
0: so to circle this back to Coach K. What are some of your favorite Duke UNC moments?
1: Well, um, I'm a Carolina. I'm a Carolina man, so um, I'm a Tyre Heel since I'm, I'm a Tar Heel since '68. So uh, I, I've had I've had other teams I've, I've liked in between all those years, but um, my majority of my majority of my college basketball, cool, um, fan from, my, from the fan point of view, I've been a a fan from the Dean Smith days, I never, I never was a big Duke fan, um, but I I res, I, res, I respect the success of the program. Uh, I, I definitely respect uh, a philosophy of his coaching, and also like that he brings in his old, he brings, he brings in his old players and, and trains them to be coaches. It's, it's a family thing at Duke. It's a society of a family um, atmosphere of basketball at Duke. Outsiders don't come in there, and I'm quite sure his replacement is going to be from Duke. Um. Then he expanded himself to the USA Basketball. He's an icon of sports of of sports. Coach K.
0: Is he the best college basketball coach ever? I know you don't like using ever. Uh, well, well he, he's one of them. He's one of them. Um,
1: me and you had this discussion last week. I don't get into ever because ever is a long time, you know. <laughs> ever, man, I don't know yet. I don't know yet, you know. But he had he had a lot of luxury of a prestige a prestigious program. He built he built it. But I don't know if he's the best coach ever. He might be one of the most consistent coaches ever, and he ranks and he ranks up there. Uh, his uh, execution of his plays and his last minute basketball adjustments are, are, are legendary. Um, I like his system. He might, he might be the best all-around coach ever. Uh, I, I, I like the system. I like his ball moving how his, and his, and how he, how his point guy ran his show. But you know, I'm also, I'm also a defensive basketball, um, uh, fan. And you know, I, I always like, I always like um pressure defense of John Thompson of Georgetown and Nola Richardson of Arkansas. Are two of my favorite uh, coaches, as far as defensive pressure, so a lot of coaches bring different things to the table. Um, John Wooden ran the best two-one, uh, the best uh, zone press, and of, uh, probably of all time. And he didn't have the quickest or most athletic guys, but they always were in the right position. So you—that's a—that's 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 a hell of a discussion when you start going to best ever because when you go best ever for me, I've been watching a long time and sometimes your best ever is the last person you've seen lately. Uh, I'm more of a favorite of of the old school style of basketball Um, but they don't play it that way anymore. They don't play play it in the post. It's not a big man's game anymore. It's positionless basketball And, 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 and with favorites going to the three point perimeter game uh, his game is not as physical as before, uh, so it's just different. It's I, I, you know that's a, that's a tough question, and I, and, I, and I'm gonna give you a tough answer. I, I can't I can't say the best ever because then I then I'll be going into is it is the is it the best ever because he had the best record? Is he the best ever because he's my personal favorite? Is he the best ever? As the way you know you had a guy named Jimmy Crum back in the eighties That Louisville was a, was a hell of a coach. <laughs> um,
0: How about this? When I say Coach K, what type of names is he in company with?
1: John Wooden, John Wooden, and ain't no more names after that. It's a, it's, a it's, it's 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 a bunch of it's a bunch of contenders. But you know when you go when you when you when you get to that level, like I said, John Wooden, uh, I can't um, Dean Smith. um, That's like uh, the Mount Rushmore of college coaches. John Wooden, Dean Smith. Coach K, I don't include I don't include guys like Adolf Ruff because when he was because when he coached the racial bias was there and, and, and blacks weren't included so I don't I don't count him as I don't count his records as being fair play you know he 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 didn't he didn't play against the best competition he didn't coach against the best competition he play, he, he he was treated with favor you know what I'm saying yes but his his he those, those I can't I can't take away history and I can't I can't take away history and I can't make believe that it never happened. And I wouldn't tell his kids that your dad would your dad sucked as a coach, you know, but I would say your dad didn't play fair, you know. He didn't treat us he didn't treat all people fair. He's a part of that society. So I can't give him a vote I can't give those guys a vote of being the best ever at anything because they didn't play against the best.
0: So let's circle all the way back, since you're a UNC guy. Can Some... I give you
1: any better answer than that?
0: Oh no, I liked your answer. You you have more. You want to elaborate on that? No, no,
1: no. But I'm just saying that his home with me, the, the fair play and equality, his home with me, even over the aspect of sports. You you scored your you scored your records on an uneven playing field. The, br- the black guys weren't allowed to play, so you didn't you didn't you didn't you didn't, you didn't bat against the best outfielders. You didn't quarterback against the best secondary guy. Those slow-ass safeties you was going against couldn't play now. So some of those records don't ain't fair to me. That's
0: all. That's fair. That's fair. That's the argument people make against Babe Ruth. Uh, Obviously, baseball wasn't integrated when Babe Ruth was playing, so I definitely understand your thoughts on that. But I want to circle back to this since you said you're a UNC guy. Coach K yeah. versus Dean Smith. Coach K versus Roy Williams. What were some of your favorite Duke-UNC games? Um.
1: The Bat- Shane Battier era were some, were some great games. Um. The Rashid Wallace Stackhouse era were some great games. Um. The Tyler Hansborough era. Uh, the Tyler Hansborough era of North Carolina and Duke were some bloodbaths. Um. Overall, it's, it's, overall are, if you go back, um, I'd say Coach K did a lot of catching up. I think North Carolina had a big lead on him and Duke started catching up as the years went on. You know? I, I think at one time after like a hundred times playing, it was almost like 50-50-50. Um, before Coach K uh or in the beginning gene thanks mark Allery uh the guy that announces the game Jake by Jake Dillis, um mike Jeminski um early Duke squad 7576 when they start making a little noise you know um in I say 80, 82, 81, Johnny Dawkins came, and he was the he was the first. make uh, he was one of the biggest recruits ever, Johnny Dawkins. And from Johnny Dawkins, they 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 their um high profile players grew. But Johnny Dawkins and Tommy Amaker backcourt in the early, in the eighties probably was one of their best backcourts that they had, and that opened the door for that for for. Big time basketball at Duke, that as I, as far as I can remember. Um, matter of fact, Gene Gene Banks might have been that first at McDonald's All American, but man, that was in the late seventies. But early eighties, Johnny Dawkins was was the foundation for that program. And he was assistant coach there for a long time, and he ended up going to Stanford, I think, as a coach. And uh, he kept his guys. He kept his. Coaching staff close to him, he kept his players close to him, and uh, he's a he's a he's a great example of a of a of a uh, powerful presence of a basketball coach.
0: Do you? I and I'll ask you this this way because you said you're a UNC guy. Why do people hate Duke? Why was there uh, that stick?
1: Sometimes officiating seemed lopsided. Um Coach Kate not to take nothing away from his coaching ability, but you know, hey, seem like they got a lot of calls, man. You know? That that's what you know, but that's that's from me being a uh, NC man, you know, a North Carolina Tiger man. Duke seem like they got a lot of calls like New England in football. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Coach K had a ref in his pocket, man. You know? But that's just his power. That's just the presence he, he, bring, he brings to the table when he shows up, man. The big shadow comes into the gym, man, when Coach K comes in. And um, he um, started with USA Basketball with the Dream Team, with Chuck Daly and those guys. And they gave him an insight to the NBA game and how to – train players to be NBA ready. And it's also taught him, it also took him to another level as far as respect-wise because too many college coaches wasn't coaching professionals. As a matter of fact, that was the first time the Olympics even brought professionals to the table in basketball. And uh, so then was was ahead. I, and I'm quite sure Coach Clay was on that staff.
0: I believe he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Coach Coach K is Coach K is
1: legendary, but he his career, but he he has ran his course. He's produced numerous great um bass, numerous professional basketball players and professional and and NCAA coaches. And uh, hey, he, he his 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 name his name will his name will live on in the coaching ranks, and yeah. uh as a champion, as a man of fair play and, and as a and, and as a man who who was loyal to his to his crew. He didn't go outside his crew too much. He stuck he kept it in the house.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you there. How do you think Coach K would have done if he ever decided to coach in the NBA, if that ever would have happened? I know there was one point, I believe there were reports like 10, 12 years ago, where the Lakers wanted him. Theoretically, if he had ever left Duke and coached the professionals, how good do you think he would have been? Do you think he could have made that transition? Well,
1: he's, a more, of a, he's more of a teacher. You know, if, if can, would, would he go Hollywood? Would he go Hollywood, you know, like those some of those other coaches? And um, just play to cater to players? Or oh, could he do that? Could he can. But well, his, his USA basketball trainer made him NBA, made him NBA ready. But also, NBA plays maybe four times as many games as college. Um, you don't hold you don't hold the rights to a man's future like you do in college. The NBA players are coming to the door. They're paid just like you. Um, being a teacher. Being a teacher and you don't have as much practice time available because you're tr- constantly traveling. I don't know if the teaching part of the game, he could have carried over to the NBA. But the business of basketball, he can conduct that with anybody. He can conduct the business of basketball with anybody. But it's a different atmosphere when you're playing against guys that's getting paid compared to guys who looking at you for to, to, to guide them to get paid. How many college coaches have has there been successful coming to the league,
0: you know? A lot of them struggle. A lot of them struggle. It's a yeah. different sport, honestly. I think it's a different sport. Almost. You're dealing with a, you're dealing with a man. you dealing with grown men. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to go do a
1: bedroom check and make sure they're in a sleep and living. You ain't got to make sure they do their homework and all these other things that come with college ball, you know? <laughs>
0: No. if their girlfriend no. breaks up with them, they don't go talk to you in the pros. Right. <laughs> it's all those,
1: all those, all, all those things, all those things about, that, that they build. So, um va- basketball-wise, okay. Attitude-wise, I don't I don't know. That would have been up in the air. I don't know how long he would have, I don't know how long he would have stayed
0: For you, who do you think's the? And I know you don't like this word, but have, let's put it this way: Who's the best player, Coach K? You think Coach K ever coached, or some of the best players? Like when I say the best players, Coach K's ever coached, because he's coached a lot of guys. Who are some of those guys that stand out for you? Well, he turned, he turned, he turned Bobby Hurley
1: into a, a coach on the court. He really brought the best out of Bobby Hurley. I mean, he rolled Bobby Hurley, he rolled Bobby Hurley's ass to the ground, man made him play and uh whipped on him until he whipped him into a champion you know that's one of his great that, that's one of his best players he developed
0: was was as far and 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 as you know he turned into a coach as, he coached the you UB know, for a bit yeah yeah he, he he turned he turned into a coach um
1: jay Williams was a jay williams was a highly touted player that, that came there. Christian Layton, a local player out of Buffalo, um, they, came, they came out of Buffalo. He came, he came in as a prestigious player. Um, but power, the most talented player from Duke, the most talented player, probably was Grant Hill. Grant Hill probably was the most talented player. Now, you've had plenty of good players, but Grant Hill could play three or four positions. Um, Elton Grant was a great player. Um. Hmm.
0: Zion, JJ Reddick
1: Zion was a Zion was a one and done. JJ JJ JJ, JJ was was one dimensional. He became even better as a pro. You know, because he, cause, but JJ JJ Redick was a gun down shooter. But as a pro, he became a better ball handler and defender. But he was he was good. He was good. I I, I Trajan Langdon was a great college player who never transitioned to the pros. Grayson well, Allen. Uh, Cory McGetty was Corey McGetty was a was a was a good player at, at Duke also. Um and it's, it's a list of, it's a list of Carlos Boozer. But I say I'd say i say I mean, I know it's I know it's an easy one to answer, but I'd say Grant Hill was um uh, powerful pound, pound, probably his best his best player of that of that of that era. You know, I mean, of, this, of this era, it would be hard not to mention Zion Williamson as far as the but Hey, what about Kyrie Irving? <laughs> played 11 games there. Yeah, he only played a few games, but I'm just saying, wow. I mean, that was just, that was, I mean, basically he went to college because of this, the, that same old rule because he was I think he was pro-ready out of high school.
0: Oh, with the handle like that, he was for sure Yeah, ready. yeah
1: I think he was probably ready out of high school. So in forty in, in forty two years, you can say he lived a, 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 a he's he, you, he's considered um, basketball royalty. <laughs> you know, basketball royalty. You know, just because someone's not your favorite, that don't, that don't that don't that don't that don't that don't rank. That don't mean they're not one of the best at what they do.
0: What are some tourney games that you remember with Duke that really stick out to you in the Coach K era? Well,
1: well, of course the Kentucky, of course the Kentucky game when they beat the buzzer beater in the, in the final four against against Kentucky when Layden made that shot. You know, um, Austin Rivers made a big shot in a, in a Carolina game for for for. Um, for Coach K, um, I got to see I got to see Duke play um, twice in person. Um, even though it was in different eras, I got to see the, the Marvin Bagley era, the guy, Marvin Marvin. Uh, that was 2018. I got to see them play in the March Madness up in Pittsburgh. Um, my, and in fact, and my son got the interview Coach K and asked him two questions. <laughs> and um, I got to also see Coach K in '86 uh, in the match. In the Final Four, I saw them play uh, at Reunion Arena. They played uh, the Final Four was Kansas, LSU, Louisville, and Duke. Um, Louisville beat Duke in the championship. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got to see Coach K three times face in person. Um, I guess I, I I guess that was a big deal. I I, I guess that. Was a big deal, but his name, his name speaks for itself, and um, congratulations to Coach K if you're out there listening, man, congratulations to you, man, <laughs> hey, you set a high standard at Duke, and there's going to be some big shoes to fill, i tell you that much.
0: So, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then cut up next after the break on Shop Sports Talk, we're going to talk some NBA, cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. have Mr. Zach with us. So, Kevin Durant—he's finally back. He was out for months. Uh, he came back this past week. How have you thought KD's been looking so far since he's come back? Oh uh, well,
1: he's an efficient basketball. He's a—he's a, he's an elite basketball player. His game is—his game is. Is most is mostly, is mostly um, seeing if he efficient basketball. He doesn't waste he doesn't waste shots. He doesn't waste moves. He doesn't waste dribbles. His his everything's efficient on the court. His his his, his basketball plays up uh, as um high IQ of basketball. Physically
0: physically un, physically um unstoppable by his uh, offensive weapon. Um, I
1: think that. I personally, I think they played him too many minutes early in the season. You uh, know, he's, he's paying the price for it now. Um, he had a knee soreness and pain in his legs, which is going to be a problem. He's, he was off for over a year with the Achilles problem. Then last year, moved up to the hamstring, hamstring to the Achilles, and now the knee. Um, he doesn't want to be on many restrictions, but for the help of his championship for his championship window, which is which is um you know short anyway, um because of the COVID and all the other things going on and because of superhero and all these other things and he can't do that but um as far as pure basketball you know he's he's top five in the world top three in the world tell the truth Giannis LeBron and Durant is my top three how Kawhi Leonard was in that in that lineup but Giannis had moved in
0: oh you had Kawhi over Giannis Oh heck yeah! Didn't you? Giannis the the, the finals the that Giannis had kind of got me. Giannis just joined the club the, the last year or two.
1: He 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 was a he was like a wild man on the court, just charging over people, running over people, couldn't make a free throw. You know, all, all that's over with now. He would get three offensive fouls a game. He would his his game would be thrown off because he would get three offensive fouls in a game before he even get his <laughs> flow going. You know. He's not doing any of that anymore. He dribbles with his head up. His eyes are open. His 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 vision, his peripheral is wide open. He's not dribbling with his head down and and, and, trying to, and trying to power over people, getting unnecessary fouls. He's not gambling as much on defense. He's mentally fifty percent better player. Physically, fifty percent better player than he was. His touch, his touch, his release, everything has changed. You don't have to count. To fifty just to shoot a free throw. I mean, his whole game just came into prime time ball player.
0: So another prime time ball player, LeBron James drops fifty six on the Golden State were. So LeBron James is thirty seven, and he just casually drops fifty six on a Saturday night. Thoughts on that? Well, just
1: like he said, he was in desperation mode. And one thing, and one thing about it, when your shot starts, when your shot starts falling, uh, and you, and your are a player of that caliber, I mean, you just, you just keep, you just keep it going. Um, he gave a glimpse of, he gave a glimpse of, uh, how much he had been working on his outside shooting. Uh, and also didn't help, um, Draymond wasn't around and, um, and the in the, the and the lane was opening up like a, it was wide open like you could just dive in the ocean. I mean, no, it was no defense in, at the rim. I mean, it was just like a a, a ride down the highway where, the, where nobody was guarding the paint. You know, so hey, that he he, he had he, he had his he had his game where the rim just got bigger and bigger. And his range was ridiculous, and, and they and they and they were down by so much. I, I, I to the truth. I take the game, and I actually change the channel, and I watched the game again late last night because being a, being a, being a diehard Laker fan, and I consider myself. Even though I watch basketball, I'm a fan, but I consider myself also a student and a teacher of basketball and of of, of the game. So I'm a fan, but but I, I, I watch the game from a different perspective than a fan. I watch the game of the science of the game, of the movement of the game, of the strategy of the game, not just Jumping up and down when a person scores a bucket, I like to know how they scored it, what play they used, what type of defense they were going against, and that's how I learned how to watch basketball, almost like from a coaching point of view. So I might watch the game from a different way than a, than the average person, you know. Um, Kevin Durant is a Kevin Durant is a is a, is, a, is a is a has a has a, has a, has a great weapon in an outside shot. Um, took his game to another level when his ball handling skills increased. He took it to even another level when his score vision increased, which happened at Golden State. where he found out he didn't have to carry the load, he could hit the open man, basketball became easy. It was almost a joke, the way they were treating people. How if, Golden much? State, if Golden State don't get him, they, they just win that one ring, and that would have been it.
0: Oh, you really believe that?
1: No, I know it. <laughs> and you, you know it, too.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean the, the the series they lost, LeBron James hit his head on T V camera, they bust stitches in his head. Kyrie broke his kneecap and Kevin Love hurt himself. LeBron almost carried him carried him to the promised land. Um and 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 I'm not not disrespecting their title, but you know, um um Ezekiel and and um Number 27, Palook, the, the guy that fouled everybody. Um, um and Livingston, all those guys played a big played a big part. Uh that's the second the second time when we made the comeback in 16. They say as we say it's because of Draymond got suspended. But uh, we stole their heart. We 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 took their heart out, we took their heart and we we took their heart and we smacked their face with that with that comeback. They had to go get they had to go they had to go get the secret weapon, which is like <laughs> it's like when somebody beat you up, you go home and get your big brother. Man, they came back with Kevin Durant and all hell broke loose. <laughs> Steph Curry had to go get his big brother, and then then Cleveland was in trouble after that. You know that 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 that. You know, but Durant walked away and he wouldn't play it against he wouldn't join the team that whooped them. You know, people didn't like it, but he, he got his results that he looked for and now he's on his own. Um I, I, I look I look for him. I look for them to struggle in the playoffs because being an AC, they're gonna they're gonna they gotta start the playoffs off against either Philadelphia or Miami, right?
0: Yes, in the East, yes. the Nets will... Well, the Nets That's are going to play in the playing. Right the
1: cool. That's a dog fight right out of the gate. With all these injuries and all those games they missed, they're putting themselves in a bad position by having to play the number one seed right out the gate.
0: Well, th- what's probably going to happen is the Nets are probably going to win both their playing games end up being the seventh seed, I would imagine, even if they're the eighth seed. I believe the New York City COVID mandates are going to be ending by the time the postseason starts. So theoretically, you'll have Kyrie, Ben, and KD. Uh, Man, and you, got, you
1: got four weeks. You, all that's got to happen in the next, not even four weeks.
0: They said the New York, they're trying to change the, the rules in New York City uh, with COVID. So I think that should be happening relatively soon. So, I mean, if that happens. Man, co- one, one little, I don't, I don't trust that. I don't
1: trust COVID is so cunning and such a treacherous this um uh, uh, virus that man until they shut it down until they shut that thing down i don't, I, I don't i don't have any faith that they that that the that, that numbers are that, that matter of fact with the weather getting about to get warmer again i, I wouldn't be surprised the what if the numbers go back up but i don't know i don't know that if a business player can come to town i don't see why why come a home player can't play but that that's not my rule I got my vaccine. That's not that's Kyrie's problem. That's not mine. Um, he's gonna lose faith in his teammates. Uh, the, when a new agreement come up, they're not gonna pay. They're not gonna pay guys who don't play anymore. That that's not gonna work
0: anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's gonna be something that's talked about at the owners' meeting. No, it's it's gonna be more than talked
1: about. It's gonna be put into effect. It's way past talking. I'm not gonna keep giving you dudes money if y'all ain't gonna play.
0: Only in America. Hey, Kyrie's lucky. How I mean, people can not show up to work and still make 17 million? That's a blessing. <laughs>
1: you you, you looking look, look at, look at a different corporation, the NBA. You, you 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 they they pull your strings. You know if he can if he can afford to pay him that type of money for not showing up to work. What kind of money is he making off the TV networks and all these other all these other inside income that these owners are getting? They didn't get into the billionaire. They didn't become billionaires by giving all their money away.
0: So to go <laughs> so to go back to LeBron, how do you think he's been able to evolve his game over the years to where he's still so effective at this age?
1: um got a, a few gifts from God a great training staff and an and, and ability to keep his weight down and 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 his body fit uh he talks about wine and cigars and all that other junk, but I don't think that's his head I don't think he, he don't do that every day, not to say it's fit if he does See, guys, can basketball don't mix. You can—I don't care who you are. <laughs> Some guys can get away with it. You can't smoke and play basketball. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You're not going to be as effective. No way. But anyway, he—he he keeps his body in shape, and he and and he has a he has a training regimen that works, and he's been gifted with a basketball IQ. Of, of the way he gets, the way he thinks the game, but um, his biggest asset is his health and fitness. His health and fitness is his biggest. He gets his rest. He works out. He's, he's prepared to play. Um, he rests. He, he rests here and there. He has nagging injuries, but like I said, he's he, he's his, his body is fine-tuned and he takes care of himself. that's that's that's, that's just my opinion. You don't. You don't last as
0: long if you're not physically fit. And you'd have him third right now out of players in the NBA, right? Third. Excuse me. You have him at third right now out of players in the NBA, correct? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't give no order. I didn't give. Oh, okay. Okay. No, don't. 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 Don't put. Don't put that on me. I didn't give any order. Okay. Can you give an order? (laughs) You have to, hey, you have to say that for another day, man. You know. Okay, I'll give you some time to think about it. Right, right. now, for me, I'll tell you. For me, right now, would be KD, Giannis, and LeBron. Right. i i know what you're saying that. Right. No. KD, Giannis, and LeBron. Well, you know, after the show, Giannis put on with the 50 points last last week. He
1: he he's 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 reaching. He and and and, and with his age, he, he's he's he's, he's rounding in to form to become the best in the best in the world. He'll carry he if he don't carry the crown after this year, he'll be carrying it. He'll be carrying it for the foot. he'll be the, the face of the NBA for the next three or four years. Or or or, ten, or seven years. Um don't be surprised if he leaves though, but um the fever the fever and the endorsements and all that stuff might be too much for him to, to stay in Milwaukee. Uh, LeBron James holds holds his own because of because of the staff around him and the people all around around him.
0: As far as his training and his, and his fitness regimen, that's that's all I can say about that. So and the rest, and the rest is God given. So reportedly, people in the Lakers organization they want Frank Vogel to bench Russell Westbrook. Do you think that would work and help improve the Lakers if they were to do that? Um. If you if you make it if you if you make if you
1: make him if you make him feel like that's a big deal, you, if you make uh, Russ feel like that's a big deal, you know, and if you make that make him feel like that's important, but um, over the course of the over the course of your career, sometimes you're going to have to bend. That's why Allen Iverson was out of the NBA so fast because he refused to come off the bench, you know. And there's a certain time in your in your career. Well, you got to do what's best for the team. You already got guaranteed contact. Well, I mean, what's the, what's the problem with your pride, or what? What is it? Um, these great
0: players who came off the bench before. Um, Kevin McHale, Manu Ginobili.
1: I tell you, I tell
0: you, Hall of Famers have come off the bench. I, yeah,
1: well, and, and and a borderline Hall of Famer when um. I know, I know it might be a bad comparison, but I'll go back to the Detroit Bad Boys, right? They won a championship, and they were on a year to repeat. And, then, and, then, and Dennis Rodham was, was, was coming down like an avalanche, man. He was he was flying up and down the court. He was filling the lane on the fast break. He was cutting off. He was stopping everything on defense. He was chasing down the layups and blocking them. And Michael White went to Chuck Daly and said, Coach, I know my NBA All-Star and everything, but I think Dennis should stop man. We're him back. And the rest is history. Aguirre got his second ring, and, and Rodman became a focal point of the Detroit Pistons organization. You know, two different situations, but I'm just saying. At Russell Westbrook's position in life lifetime, for them to be a playoff contender, because this year, this year is like um, a, flip of, a, a flip of coin, or shake it up and reach in the bag and pick whatever you pick. That's what you put in. I mean, he looks out his bench now, he don't even know who to put in. Yesterday I saw G.J. Augustine on the team. I can't keep up with the Lakers anymore. Um it's a bad it's a bad mix of players, poor outside shooting. We lost too many of uh, our, our our core defenders and it's a and it's and it's a disaster. Um Westbrook never properly fit. His focus is off his his turnovers are ridiculous. It's almost like he's nervous. He's almost, his passes are like nervous passes. Uh, now he's aiming his shot. Uh, the, only, um, the only production he can, he would give to take us deeper in the playoffs, it would be off the bench. Carmelo Anthony's coming off the bench and um, provide some shooting, not now here and there. Um, he would be much more effective I would even like to see him come back for one more year, because I think he still has something to offer as far as spot up shooting. I would, read, I, I, I would come back if I was him. But, but, but as far as a, as far as the whole unit, it's, it's a it's a bad it's a bad combination. Not not as far as guys not getting along or liking each other. As far as on court chemistry, and with Davis being always hurt, um, that's the backbone of the defense. Team, the team is just going to suffer. If Russell Westbrook comes off the bench as a leader of what you would call the six-man crew or the funk mob or whatever they want to name itself, and they bring energy to the team, and, and he gets to do his triple-double thing or whatever, okay. But uh, if, he, if he comes off the bench pouting with his mouth poked down and pissed off, he's not going to be effective anymore. And who's going to take a forty-seven million dollar contract? I mean, he can start. He can start for most teams, whether So he can go to Orlando or or, or, or uh, um, shoot on um, Toronto. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He, he's still an NBA player, but he's just not a Laker.
0: So Jason Tatum, he dropped fifty four against the Nets today. Tatum, where do you rank Tatum in the hierarchy of the NBA? Sometimes, uh, sometimes I catch myself underestimating. I sometimes I catch myself underestimating him. I, I, I catch
1: myself underestimating him and he's making this thing look easy, and he's spacing. The, he's not in spacing the court. Uh, he know he know he he knows the sweet spots on the court. Uh, he can penetrate. He can shoot the J. He can finish. He, he, he's, he's
0: special. He's special. He's not top three in the NBA. He's not on no top three on the NBA, but he's top he's ten. Top, he, he's top ten. He's He might be top ten, and he's and he's definitely one of the best four players at his position. Would you say he's a top five win? Is he a top five win? As far as small, as far as forwards, you
1: gotta go. You go, you go. Kawhi. You, I mean, as far as playing now, you go. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Tatum's in that lineup, in that, in that, in that position. Um, Jimmy Butler's
0: in that position. Okay, there you go. Is he better than Jimmy Butler? Hmm? Huh? you think he's better than Jimmy Butler?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's he, he, he's 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 more offensive, offensively gifted and aggressive. I mean, his his shot don't even touch the rim; it's all net, man. Jimmy Butler is an old school hard nosed ball player. He got to work for every bucket. This dude can score easily.
0: Is he better than Paul George?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. You know, I I don't know about a young Paul George, but that's a that's a good that's a that's a good comparison. That's a good comparison. But right now, I go with Tatum. Tatum can get Tatum can get where he wants to on the court. Uh, he's consistent. He's consistent. And I ain't taking nothing away from Paul George. Um, I think Tatum show up bigger in the big game. We'll see. But um, uh, even even though. Even though you're the you're the host of this you're the host of this show, and I'm the guest of this show, but I have to I have to tell you even 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 if we were on if we were on camera when we get on TV we are gonna be unstoppable, dude. But because I can answer because it won't be no pauses in my questions. You can see my you can exactly see my facial expressions on some of these questions you asking me, man. Because. <laughs> I got to give it to you, young man. You ask great questions, man. That's a hell of a comparison right there. I don't know if you had that written down or not, but or oh, that just came off the top of your head. But that, that's that's a, that's a hell of a comparison. But see, your generation is, in, is into comparisons. You know, you your generation is into comparison. The press is into comparisons. I mean, I mean, they spent a whole they a whole talk show. Comparing guys to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan finished balling twenty-five years ago. <laughs> Why do you keep comparing I mean to, to that'd be such a waste of time. They got nothing else to talk about? Oh <laughs> uh, man. That 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 that, that, taints, that, that taints these guys, man. Michael jo- Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan is up here and they
0: leave him alone. <laughs> I, I think you're having a criticism first take. I think that's the first take criticism right there. He played. He played. He played the game.
1: He, he, he played the game like Allen Iverson said last week. Dude, he didn't. He didn't look real. He was slipping around the court, and before you know it, he's snapping your head off. I mean, it's a, it's a bad comparison when you see LeBron James and Michael Jordan stand side by side. You the, you see the size difference. I mean, LeBron is like way wider and, and a lot taller and bigger. But when when but when Jordan got on the court, if everybody was the same size. You, you nobody was bigger than him. <laughs> I mean, when he came down the lane, he looked like he like he just started growing, man. So I mean, comparisons are I comparisons are are good conversations and and. and
0: I think Tatum's way ahead of Ingram. But I see, I see a good comparison. That's fair. That's fair. That's, That's a good interesting.
1: comparison. I think you put Ingram on prime time with prime time likes saw Ingram and put him around some good players. I think he's a, I think I think he can go. I think he can go, man. I see him and CJ look like a nice combo together.
0: Lastly, I want to ask you this. John Moran at one of these games uh this past week he exploded uh, and he played fantastic uh thoughts on John Morant uh
1: much much improved court vision much improved jump shot oh uh, he always had explosion but his physical strength is improving his outside shooting is improving his court awareness is improving and his teammates will give him the green light um you can you can underestimate him at times because of a smallish frame, but his his explosiveness his explosiveness he he has a he has a kind of an awkward release sometimes, or uh, but he has Russell he has Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose explosiveness in his on in, uh, his on uh, his explosion to the court to the hoop. I mean, if you want to compare it to young guys as far as explosiveness. That's week I mean his friend and his and his, and his, and his leaping ability around him and his body control. Oh, he, he's a special ball player. Um we catch, we catching we we're catching his coming out partner. Um if you evaluate his game and you evaluate his confidence and his toughness, his game looks finesse but he's strong because he scores a lot he scores more points in the paint than most than most players do even big guys um i have i I would love to watch him in person see how fast he really is um i haven't i haven't had the pleasure of doing that yet um Henry Trey Young is a good comparison. And and since you and, I mean as far as that age bracket, those are the two up and coming young guys of that era. But I think I think I think John Moran has a has a has a toughness that even a little more toughness than of course he's had more physical ability than than um, Trey right. Young. As far as
0: explosiveness. But as far as um quickness and ball handling and and, and and craftiness of the, on the court,
1: um, the, I, you know, I mean, Trey takes a backseat, you know, but John ja, but ja Morant is, is making a name for himself, and he will be richly rewarded with this next contract. He's a Memphis Grizzly. That's his team. He's the franchise player, and that's what he, he – don't look for him to go anywhere. If a small market can't handle him, you know, but I don't see that. I don't see that coming. I see, I see basketball frenzy in Memphis, and I and I see them a possibility, a, a strong possibility of them going deep into the playoffs. Is that- well, you know, they might even be able to bring in a maybe not an a, a A grade free agent, but a couple B grade free agents. Uh, I take my hat off to their coach, and and his players play hard for him. And that's one thing you look for in a coach. How does how do how does his players react to him? Do they do they fight to death? Do they fight to death for him, or do they just go through the motions? It's it's it's, it's different ways, like the way the Knicks players play, you know. Like the way the Knicks players play, they don't they don't they don't they
0: don't they don't play their hardest for their coach. They give up too. they give up too easy. And he gives up
1: on their players too easy.
0: I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Hey, man, I, pre- I appreciate
1: I appreciate you reaching out to me. Take me a minute to get warmed up, but like I said, man, once we get on TV, man, wait till we. <laughs> When you, before you got famous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Hey, I man, appreciate real, it. real. Hey, hey, hey. Sometimes you, sometime you got to give yourself
1: some credit and I'm, I'm going to give it to you, man. You're you doing a great job, man.
0: Thank you. I, I appreciate you got to it. got it so like I said, when you get famous, man, don't forget about Oh, me. no, I won't forget about you. You're the first <laughs> person we're going to have on the show.
1: Hey, man, my boy Peewee, my boy Peewee, who was one of the best Who one of the most knowledgeable sports people? I also know my man Pee Wee Brown. He been listening to your show, and he called me personally on the phone and said he liked our show, man. You know, so hey, hey, you catching you catching some attention from some knowledgeable, knowledgeable people.
0: Yes, thank you. I I appreciate it. I really do. All right. And once again, I want to thank Zach Williford, A.K.A. Mister Zach, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it, and I want to thank all of you. For tuning into this episode, the 401st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle, pay the price. Wanna
1: slice. Got to roll the roll of dice and swap. All my life, I've been
0: grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Yeah. One slice